Hey peeps, this is episode 25 of the Speed Mentor Podcast. It's only me, Gavin Wall, mentor, a multi-award winning entrepreneur. Let's get stuck straight in today, shall we? Look, the good news is you're one decision away from success. The bad news is you'll have to do things differently from how you've been doing them up until now. I'm just going back about 20 odd years here and at 27, I eventually got my shit together. Up to that point, I'd been a total waster. Alright, I'd qualified as a slizder, but that took zero effort on my part, to be honest. I did the minimum to qualify, which didn't even require turning up for many of the, the lectures. I had so little interest, in fact, in qualifying in law, I can remember well sitting in what was the law school equivalent of the headmaster's office, uh, and the headmaster in this case was actually a headmistress, uh, being the future President of Ireland, Mary McAleese, whom I'm sure many of you will have heard of. Now, she was the head of the, the, the president, in fact, of the Legal Institute at Queen's University. And they'd caught me bunking off class. And she was asking me one day to pitch to her why I should be allowed to stay at the institute as I'd breached the minimum attendance rules and I hadn't submitted any of the compulsory coursework that was to be submitted. Now, no doubt uh, all my staff will be listening to this and they'll be saying if it's good enough for the goose, it's good enough for the gander. But I was a past master at squirming my way out of this sort of stuff. And I've been doing it really since primary school where I developed very early brushes with authority. I, I go out, I got out of, of that scrape too that day with Mary McAleese. I always did back then. But my attitude, it stank and I wasted wasted my abilities on merely getting out of scrapes. But I just wanted to put some meat on the bone that qualifying as a lawyer wasn't something I took pride in, nor was it something I treated with any respect. Certainly not the respect that the people who were involved, the lecturers, my parents, etc. deserved. And I include my parents in that who'd helped me put me through um, the whole thing financially, um, through my degree and the professional qualification. I treated it with contempt, if I'm honest but it probably didn't really feel like part of my journey. That might have been part of the reason. Anyway, back to the story. I've been drinking heavily from 18 to 27, um, leading a life I had no real love for. Two weeks before I qualified as Slizder, my dad informed me that he'd be taking early retirement and that that I'd been paddling my own canoe. Two weeks later, I was Belfast's only unemployed Slizder, probably ever. In fact, I couldn't get a job with other Slizders because my dad hadn't announced his early retirement and at every interview I went to with Slizders, they were asking me, why should they take me on when I was merely going to go to Donnelly and Wall Slizders in six months' time and leave them stuck? Albeit I was hurt, I didn't break his confidence and didn't let them know what was really happening. Anyway, there's a lot more about this pivotal point in my life in the earlier episode, No One Owes You Anything. I ended up selling car insurance as a qualified Slizder and went through a three-year period of heavy drinking, even heavier than I had been doing previously, and partying just to uh, process the pain. For the record, in case anybody's wondering, I now think that it was a huge blessing in disguise, and it helped form and galvanise me to be the person that I am today. Anyway, after a few years of feeling sorry for myself, 
I then started to get my shit together. At the age of 27, I decided to change the trajectory of my life from, from one of drift to one of purpose. Albeit the purpose was founded on a negative emotion towards my father's actions rather than a positive grounding. I used the hurt I'd experienced to make a decision to become as successful or even more successful than he'd been and that, defi- that desire was fur- forged in a furnace of hurt and anger. For the record, my dad was hugely successful in law. Donnelly and Wall's lizards were at the top of their game, top of the tree in criminal law in Northern Ireland and I'm very proud of his achievements and what those achievements helped to provide for our family. But in the short term, for your reference, negative emotions or purpose founded on a negative or born out of pain can create a very powerful driving force. And that's what I use to forge my desire to start my entrepreneurial journey. It won't keep you going forever, that negative emotion. But mine worked for a whole freaking decade and brought me great success. So you can just imagine how much pain I felt that that was able to power me like jet fuel for a decade. But as a whole, once you've maxed, maxed and used all of that negative energy or all the difficult things in your life to launch your rocket to success, you ultimately require a foundation of positive emotion to ground your happiness and bring fulfillment to you in the long term. Many successful people's desires are born from pain, such as Oprah Winfrey, who had real pain, unlike mine, which was pretty superficial in reality. Now, Oprah was born into abject poverty, raped and pregnant by 14, but used her experiences to give her empathy, which helped her to connect in a way that few others could and catapulted her to meteoric success. As Oprah said, turn your wounds into wisdom. Okay, so use the negative stuff by all means to get you started, but ultimately create a better version of you, which I did and which Oprah did and many others who've rebounded um, from difficult circumstances uh, have done similarly. Now I got, I got sidetracked there a, a little and I was just telling you all of that stuff to provide a little backdrop to my Damascene conversion at 27 to start to make the most of what was in front of me rather than cry about all the difficulties I'd experienced which I was letting hold me back. The decision at 27 to start making best use of my opportunities and no longer get in my own way and prevent me from having success was a very liberating uh, feeling. So what happened? By 27, I'd managed to make my way into the civil service as a solicitor. I was doing okay for myself. Probably, I was working this out today, probably taking maybe 30 to £35,000 a year in today's money. Remember, that was 21, 22 years ago. So probably about thirty, thirty-five thousand pounds a year. But as you can imagine, knowing me from the podcast and all the other stuff I do out there as an entrepreneur, civil service probably wasn't the life that I was best suited to. I, but I know that thirty to thirty-five, that sounds and feels like a lot of money for some, and it was for me at the time, as I'd been selling car insurance up until that point. I was earning far less than that, probably about half of that. But remember, that's a qualified solicitor who's done five years of study. But suddenly I had a new mindset and my targets were much greater than that £30,000-£35,000 a year. But even though it was a good step up in salary from the job of selling car insurance, I was quickly living beyond my means, as were most of my friends and peer group. We all drove nice cars, golf GTIs, 
Volkswagen Corrados. Uh, by the way, if you want to look those up, it was the most, they don't make them anymore, but the Volkswagen Corrado was the most beautiful hot, hot hatch ever made. Half hot hatch, half sports car, and I had two of them in my time. Absolutely loved them. And we all rented apartments or houses, and our wages weren't even enough to cover the cars and the houses and the partying either. So I was a slizder. They needed someone to manage the Tyrone office in Oma, which is a place, a town in Oma, which was one and a half hours drive if you missed the traffic, one and a half hours either way. So I was living high on the hog, spending above my means, as were all my friends, driving fancy cars, um, looking good. But then I got to 27 and I was starting to find a purpose in my life and this opportunity came up in Oma. As per usual, at this particular time, I had the best car of my peer group. Now, you might be getting an impression of myself. I always want to have the best of whatever it is or work the hardest or whatever it is. I always want to be there at the top. Anyway, some of those are good things for me. Some of them are bad things for me. And this particular one, it was driving a beautiful Audi Cabriolet. Absolutely beautiful Audi Cabriolet. Back in those days, it was very similar to the one that Lady Diana had. It was a really iconic car at the time. Uh, mine was silver. And had the most beautiful alloys, really bespoke alloys. A beautiful blue roof rather than a black roof. And lovely leather interior. As I managed, as I, as I mentioned, none of us had a pot to piss in. None of my friends. Um, once we paid for all of the gratification in our lives, um, there was nothing left. But I now wanted to have a pot to piss in. That was my next big goal, to have a pot to piss in. So I mentioned... Uh, to one of my mates that I was thinking of selling my pride and joy and downgrading. I will never forget his laugh. And he knows who he is because he contacted me recently when I posted about this on LinkedIn. Gavin, he said, your image is far too important that, to you. Cruising down the banger in your car is your shtick with one arm hanging out, getting a wee bit of a suntan on my one arm um, if I had the hood up or hood down with my shades on. As soon, he said, as soon as you see your reflection in a shop window in that car that you're thinking of buying, you will buckle and without a doubt you'll trade back up again. I hadn't told him of my new goals in life and even if I had, I don't think he'd have believed I had the fortitude to stick with a plan which discarded my old skin of giving a shit what the Joneses next door thought of me. So I sold my pride and joy, I sold the car Bought a second-hand police car with dodgy brakes for 700 quid. It was an absolute banger. I named her the Executive Saloon. The name was ironic as it was such a shit heap. But I knew I had to own this part of my journey just like I had owned the previous part of my journey. And by crafting a name for that car, it really showed people that I owned it. It became a running joke for a couple of years afterwards, the Executive Saloon. Uh, I then moved home with my parents. This was very, very tough. As I had a difficult relationship with my mum at times, probably because we were we were two peas in a pod, the peer pressure on me was brutal, but the umbilical cord had been cut by me. I was aggressively ribbed by mates who said vanity and party lifestyle would mean this would be short-lived. But I had a plan. I wanted a pot to piss in. This story is really to show you how quickly you can transform your outcomes. When you stop doing the same things that you and your friends have been doing and make the tough decisions based on your goals that can lead to success. I'm telling you this story so you can see how quickly 
once you change your mindset that things can really turn. Over the next two years, I earned £70 per day for travel and subsistence. And I saved the subsistence money by bringing a packed lunch with me. So £70 a day. So I was clearing £350 every week for travelling to Oma, less £50 for fuel, leaving me with 300 net money, 300 cash net money. That was 15 per annum in my hand, which I would have needed to have doubled my salary to actually earn that. Okay, so it was a huge amount of money to me at the time. Additionally, remember, I didn't have an expensive car to finance. No longer did I have an apartment to pay for and all the associated bills and all the partying, which now is significantly reduced. So I had a huge amount of additional cash coming in and I reckon that that one decision brought me about £500 cash per week. Now, this was 22 years ago. £500 cash per week, which I then rolled and compounded. You've heard of Warren Buffett, compound interest. Well, I compounded this into three side hustles. The first side hustle um, was a share trading um, enterprise that I developed. I set up a share um, account with uh, Killick and Company and I start, started trading shares with them. And I used, I bought a what's called a Hewlett Packard, a HP Jornada. Now, there was no... Uh, 4G in those days and mobile phones were just really Nokia bricks. Um, but I bought, brought a lead with me, a lead with me, which I plugged into the landline telephone system at work, which I used to trade shares um, during my breaks. I don't know if any of you remember the HP Jornada. It was a, an amazing piece of kit. It was sort of a forerunner of a modern day bastard love child of a smartphone and a laptop. It was a real combination of the two. It cost me about £700, which was a fair bit of, a bit of money back then. But that was my first side hustle, trading, share trading on that. My second side hustle was a property business. I started buying houses quite aggressively. I could save deposit monies. With, remember, houses were, were ranging from twenty-five to £55,000 in, in areas of Belfast at that time. So a property business, I started buying houses quite aggressively. I could save deposit monies with all the cash I was making. And then I would uh, there would be doer uppers. And then I would have them done up. I would rent them, then revalue them, and then go again. This was back in the 1990s, a decade before the property crash. Now, I also during this time bought my first franchise, which was an international phone card business. Um, and I became the best performing um, international phone card franchise in the UK. Now, originally I bought half of the Northern Ireland Territory. I bought that for £5,000, but they gifted me the other, the second half of Northern Ireland, the other three counties, um, because I was doing so well with the first three. Now the compound effect, the compound effect of that one decision, that change of mindset, that decision to cut the umbilical cord and take an opportunity which no one else wanted to do. No one else in the whole of the civil service who was a slizzler wanted to go to Oma every day for that £70. I rolled that all up and allied it to the savings and then turned it into the side hustles. The impact of that was absolutely freaking huge. The side hustles grew and grew, and grew, and by the end of two years, I had a significant six-figure sum. So from going, living outside beyond my means, one decision, car, home, cut the umbilical cord with the friends, double down, roll that money, three side hustles, I had a significant in two years, significant six-figure sum. This is 22 years ago, remember. Not bad in my mid-twenties for someone who didn't have a pot to piss in just a string of months earlier. This 
ultimately enabled me to walk away from the solicitor's job, which I actually hated, and fund a return to university um, to train as a barrister. And when I was a barrister, the side hustles actually continued on and became bigger and bigger, ultimately leading to uh, owning 50 properties um, a decade later. Now, and I enjoyed the barrister work as well, but that's a whole other story for another time. The reason I'm sharing the story of that single decision to break the strangle of peer pressure is that it changed my life and it could easily do so for you. Have a proper look around yourself. Be brave enough to take the road less travelled, or in my case, the road to Oma and Tyrone. Make some sacrifice in the short term for the long-term freedom. There are so many chances for you to do something different from the others. To own your own narrative. To name your own car, the executive saloon. Take, take the piss out of yourself. Who cares? If you just open your eyes and see the white space of opportunity where others only see dead ends. Interestingly, when I went to sell the executive saloon, only a scrapyard would take it and they offered me 50 quid. I remember saying to him, that's almost, there's almost as much fuel in that as 50 quid. And he said, look son, siphon it out, if you think there is. And then I said to him, the mobile phone kit cost me more than 50 quid. And he said, well, you can take that too. Uh, there was no Bluetooth back in these days, so you had to get it wired in. Uh, and I said, look, the rear tyres have been replaced recently enough and they cost me more than that. And he said, you can also take them home if you can carry them. I just couldn't budge him from the 50 quid. But to be fair, the wee executive saloon, she was buried that day up at the um, scrapyard. And uh, she delivered me a medium-sized fortune, if I'm honest. Look, that's it today from the Speed Mentor. I feel like I've, I've been through quite a lot of my old stuff there um, with another bite-sized mix of narrative inspiration and the breadcrumbs of success. Hit me up on my social channels, especially LinkedIn. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please, please, please bash your friggin' subscribe button and leave me a review too as it helps to keep this local voice on the airwaves. Um, you've been talking to the wall. This stuff really, really works, folks. If you want a life of abundance, follow some of the breadcrumbs that I've left you today. But as with everything, I can't do it for you. If you want to make it happen, you can do it. But it's your choice. <laughs>